and welcome to episode 9. Today we're going to talk about our favorite and most hated movie and television adaptations of books. Yes, but before we do, uh, I'd like to extend our apologies for such a long delay between episodes. Uh, We had recorded an episode uh, that we intended to have released a week or so ago, but Audacity decided to be a jerk and eat the audio. Yep. So that's our great lost episode. But yeah, another part of uh, of why we took a little break is because Lauren went on a fantastic vacation for a month to England and I missed her very much. It was great. I missed you too, though. (laughs) It's good to be home. And you did some awesome things and came home with some awesome yarn. I did come home with some awesome yarn. I think I spent more on yarn than I did on food. Although you also came back with a lot of candy. Like, I think an entire suitcase was, like, British candy. I guess before we dive into the topic at hand, should we talk about what we're currently knitting and reading? It's it's been a while. Yeah, I know. Um, Sure. You want to start, Amber? Okay. Well, in terms of reading, I am still uh, not reading because I am in grad school and I have a paper that I've been doing lots and lots of research for. So I've been reading a lot of... Uh, journals and academic texts about textiles during the Viking period. Uh, So that's that. Uh, I have been listening to something new. I'm, I want to say probably halfway, maybe three quarters of the way through uh, The Light Between Oceans by M.L. Stedman, which is heartbreaking. It's a very, very sad book. So I'm making kind of slow progress through it because I have to keep stopping because it's sad. Uh, it's about this uh, couple who live on a light, or not on a lighthouse, on an island, <laughs> and they are lighthouse keepers, and the woman um, keeps having miscarriages, and so then one day a baby washes up on the beach, and they decide to keep it, and so the story is sort of about the implications of that decision. Keeping a baby you found on the beach. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so yeah, what are you reading? Uh, right now, I am reading A Gathering of Shadows by V.E. Schwab. Is that one of the... Um, it's the second the book to uh, Darker Shade yes, of Magic. thank you. Yes. And it's good? Yeah, I finished the first book and bought the rest of the series on my nook. Um, it is... I, I really enjoy it. It's a fantasy series. Fantasy series. Series? Series. I'm really enjoying it. It's a fantasy series. Um... And it takes an interesting approach to magic and an interesting approach to the world and, I guess, other dimensions. I was going to say, isn't there like an alternate reality? There are alternate Londons. Cool. The worlds are different around all of those Londons, but it just so happens that in all four of the worlds, there is a city called London. (laughs) Okay. Um, I see now why you you chose to start reading this while you were in London. No, it just kind of happened that way. Ah. Um... Uh, but it, it's it's uh, it's got some romance, it's got some some fighting and blood, and it's got some fantasy. I'm I'm really loving it. All my favorite things: romance, fighting, blood. Yep. So it's all good. Um, actually, I have the I did a while back. I downloaded the first audio, the first one on audiobook. So I will eventually get around to listening to that. Nice. And I did finish um, Anne Bishop's new book while I was in England. The name escapes me, but it's part of her other series. And it's one of those books that is very much a guilty pleasure because it's not a good book, <laughs> but it's entertaining. Um, the main character is almost more of a Mary Sue than Bella Swan. Oh, boy. I did um, not think that was possible. Yeah, I know. 
Um, she's just magical, amazing, awesome, and everyone loves her. Uh, but it's it's a series I've stuck with for a while now, and I uh, I read that book in like a day when I was recovering from jet lag. <laughs> yeah, especially like when you're traveling, sometimes you need something that you're not too invested in because if you're going to have to keep stopping to get on planes and wait in lines and do all this stuff, you just want something where you can just just not think about it. I usually yeah. when I travel, I have like a cozy mystery that I'll bring with me that I'll read. Oh yeah, and the latest one was Etched in Bone. And that's by Anne Bishop. And if you like like just light reads, uh, that are fantasy and a little bit of romance, like very light romance, go for it, because they're, they're entertaining. They're just, don't expect it to be well-written. I love <laughs> you in Bishop, but no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, are you listening to anything at the moment? Uh, not at the moment. Uh, just some podcasts. I'm catching up on all the podcasts I didn't listen to when I was in England. Um, I just caught up on... One of my murder mystery ones. I forgot the name of it. I was listening to it like all morning. I finished catching up on Unsolved Murders, true crime stories this morning. I'm caught up on Faculty of Horror, which is probably my all-time favorite podcast. And I just finished catching up. I'm almost caught up on Hollywood and Crime. Nice. There's a theme here, guys. I like <laughs> I like listening to murder. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, not like actual murder. So that makes it sound like no, like you know, we just tie mysteries. someone up in the backyard and, and oh, murder them for your pleasure. God. I mean, our backyard's private, but it's not that private. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so knitting, knitting. <laughs> Um, so I have been pretty monogamous with my knitting lately, which is different for me. I am going to a baby shower tomorrow and so i have been knitting this baby blanket and it is not done <laughs> um i hope i've been knitting that baby lauren blanket. <laughs> has helped me so much she knit i think three or four of the squares and she seamed them all together which god bless you because i would probably still be seaming it it was taking me like a half an hour to do a square and you and went a lot faster once i showed you how to steam how to steam it how to seam it uh still 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 you 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 were like a seeming goddess you did an amazing job helps that i've been sewing for 19 years yeah i guess but uh, anyway, the blanket that I am knitting is the Flyaway Blanket by Tin Can Knits. And I'm using Knit Picks Swish DK. So I'm using uh, Dove Heather for the main color. And then for the contrasting colors, I'm using Serrano, Clementine, Peapod, and Gulfstream. And this is a really interesting pattern because the way it's constructed, so you knit a bunch of squares and they each have like a stripe of color in the middle. And then you can arrange the squares in all different ways to make different patterns. You can make like diamonds or zigzags or whatever you want, whatever your little, your little brain can, can dream up. So yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I'll definitely have to post pictures because this is quite an undertaking to knit this whole thing in, in two weeks. And I'm really proud of myself. Um, and then as soon as it is done, I'm going to be participating in some Mad May festivities, uh, in case you guys are not aware, because it's not like I talk about it every single episode, but I love Madeline Tosh. I'm in the Madeline Tosh Lovers group on Ravelry, 
And every year in May, they do Mad May. Um, and there are different categories with different projects that you can participate in, and they have contests and all kinds of fun things. So I am participating in the work in progress category. So I'm trying to finish up my Jess sweater that I've been working on forever. And I've been knitting that in Tosh Merino DK in the Tannenbaum colorway. And I'm so close to being done. I'm probably like a third of the way through one of the sleeves so then I just have to knit the other sleeve and do the button bands and the shawl collar and it is done and of course sew the buttons on which I'm probably gonna ask Lauren to do because I suck at sewing but um and I'm feeling really ambitious so I'm also going to attempt to cast on another pattern for the sweater project category um and that is the Featherweight Zephyr Blouse, and that is from a, a vintage pattern booklet, uh, Jack Frost Blouse Book, Volume 35. It was published in 1941. And I'm not entirely sure how this is going to go, because if any of you have experienced knitting vintage patterns, they typically only write it for one size, because they just assume that everyone knows how to change things for their size, because I guess back then people, you know, were not used to having things spoon-fed to them, and they just did it all by themselves. Uh, I'm not really sure how I'm gonna go about sizing it because I would I would think have to knit it on like gigantic needles which is gonna make it like way more open and loose than I want it to be so stay you tuned. You should use that sizing um thing that Sherry uses. Oh yeah what's it called per- perfect fit or? I don't remember. We're, we'll we'll look it up and yeah and, and yeah something let's can we look it up right now? Yeah, sure. Pause. Doodly do. Yes, uh, that's a really good idea. Uh, Lauren is referring to Custom Fit by Amy Herzog. Um, so they do have some pre-made uh, or pre-designed, I should say, sweater templates up there. But then there's also supposed to be a way that you can use any sweater pattern that exists. You plug in your gauge and then they figure out how to change it for you. So that's actually, that's a really, really excellent idea. Yeah, I, might I think the way it works is you just pay for the pattern after they create it for you. Cool. Yeah, I would definitely do that, considering that I think I got the pattern booklet for like a dollar. There you go. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm going to be knitting that in. Um, also, Madeline Tosh, of course, because it's for the Madeline Tosh group. Um, sock in the Logwood colorway, uh, which is really, really pretty. And I don't have any sweaters that are even similar to this and it, it's a short sleeve kind of blouse looking thing which I have not done yet either and Very with nice. it warming up here I thought it would be nice to knit something that I can maybe actually wear in uh you know immediately after it's completed so that's what's going on with me what about you Lauren um so as always I have a floppity Jillian works in progress yeah I feel like you sort of went works in progress crazy <laughs> some of this stuff is from years ago like I will I will say you have I've noticed been going through and and starting to work on things that have been in progress for a while. So I finished I'm a sock the other day. I haven't started the second sock, but I finished the other sock that all it needed was a cuff. What sock was that? Uh, it was the diamond lace sock that I was making for um, Richard's grandmother before she passed away. So I decided to finish it, and then I'll eventually knit the other one and I think give them to Richard's mom because it was her mom. Oh, that'll be nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I kind of didn't look at it for a while after she passed away. Understandable. Yeah. Um, But the two I'm working on uh, currently, like actively working on, are Socks on a Plane uh, and Knit Circuses, Gradient Stripes, and Wit and Learning, which is their quote-unquote Ravenclaw color. (laughs) 
um, that they call it Wit and Learning, so they don't get sued for copyright infringement. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's a really lovely uh, gray and silver gradient where the stripes go from, like, thick blue stripes to... To, with thin silver to thin blue with thick silver. And I started these like a year ago for my friend Kathy. And her birthday is coming up again in August. So I figured I'll finish them for this birthday and give them to her. I'm almost done with the first sock. Nice. Um, and I'm also working on the Hue Shift Afghan, which is something new that I cast on. But I've had the pattern and the yarn in my stash for about two years now. And I wanted something mindless to work on. And you were inspired after having helped me work on this blanket. I was, because it's just garter stitch mitered squares, and I love it. Um, There's a little bit of color work with some striping, but besides that, it's really easy. I'm doing it in Knit Picks Brava Sport, which is what the pattern originally called for. Um, Unfortunately, the pattern is not available right now on Knit Picks. It's kind of like cyclical. Sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. And I'm doing the jewel version. Um, there's a bunch of different color versions in the pattern, and I picked the jewel one, which is all kind of like red and purple jewel tones and greens and blues. Nice. And lots of fun. Well, that's good. It's good to be working on something that you enjoy and not feel like you're slogging through something, which is kind of where I am right now, but soon it will be done. I mean, it has to be, because I have to give this away tomorrow. Yeah. And I did finish two projects while I was in England. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, I finished, uh two cows whose names escaped me but i also gave them away so i don't have any photos oh that was a really beautiful pattern we talked about it in oh actually maybe we We talked talked about about it in the last episode episode. (laughs) we'll we'll look up the name and uh and post it um one other thing i wanted to briefly mention before we uh, move on to our topic for this week um because i'm sure everyone is tired of hearing about me talk about how much i love uh madeline tosh and how i knit with nothing else uh i am going to be going to the plucky knitter trunk show in New York City next weekend, and I'm going to buy a whole bunch of Plucky Knitter yarn, which I've never worked with, so who knows? Maybe you guys will get to hear me talk ad nauseum about a totally different yarn from now on. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to it. It all kind of started because I... Um, was well I forgot my sister's birthday I'm a terrible sister and she had wanted me to knit her a sweater and I basically was like hell no because um, they take forever and uh, as much as I love her <laughs> I did not want to knit a project that was going to take a really long time and especially with her living in Michigan it's just really really hard to knit her a sweater because I won't be able to have her try it on as mm-hmm. we go But then when I forgot her birthday, I felt really guilty, so I decided, you know what, she wants a sweater, I will knit her one. And I picked some patterns that were meant to be kind of loose and flowy, so it wouldn't really matter if it fit exactly perfectly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is that that proper English, exactly perfectly? That sounds weird. I think it's fine. Okay. You could have just asked her for her measurements, though. Eh. Okay, because it's like, (laughs) Sherry's sister lives in Canada, (laughs) and Sherry knits her sweater. (laughs) Whatever. Anyway, um... So, yeah, so I didn't want to knit yet another Madeline Tosh sweater, so I was in search of uh, another yarn to use, and I kept seeing a lot of projects that I where I loved the yarn, and it turns out it was Plucky Knitter, so I was like, that will be perfect. Nice. And I might get a little something for me, too, because they have so many beautiful colors. They really do. I have no money after that England trip, otherwise I'd be going with you. Um, yeah, I'm trying to persuade Jen to go with me. Do it. Um, so I have... A floppity jillion things to talk about. I wrote down one, two, three, four, five, six movies and five TV shows. All right. So shall we talk first about interpretations we did like or ones we did not like? 
which one would be more fun? <laughs> I feel like I have more to say about the ones I didn't like, but I have more that I did like. Okay, well, I feel like I have more that I than I. <laughs> so do we want I a have, fangirl or do I, we want to hate? I mean, I mean, both are enjoyable, I guess. Well, since the title of the episode is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, you want to start with the good? Okay. Okay, we'll start with the good. Um, why don't you go first? Um, so the first one I'm going to start with, I'm sure is not on very many people's list, is American Psycho. I didn't even know that that was a book. Yeah, it's one of my favorite books, and it is, the book is far far more bloody and gory and gruesome than the film, but the film does a very good job of capturing the essence and the point of the novel. I have also never seen the movie. It's Christian Bale, isn't it, right? It is Christian Bale, and he is a delightful psychopath. Nice. Um, and it's 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 a messed up movie, guys, and it's an me- even more messed up book, and they just did such a good job of capture, capturing the meaninglessness of like the, the the modern life in in that scenario. It's all very much about like um, rich white men <laughs> in New York City. Wow, that <laughs> is not at all pertaining to our current situation going on. Except the one's crazy. And you don't know if he's actually killing people or if he's just crazy. It's very ambiguous and that's what I love about it. Um, the end kind of leaves it very ambiguous. Nice. Um, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh, yes. Yes. I Um, can't believe that I didn't put that on my list. Well, I'm glad you did. Yeah. Um, by Stieg Larsson. Um, I really enjoyed the movie, uh, specifically the Swedish films where they did all three of the books. Yes. Uh, those were absolutely phenomenal. Um, I was a little sad. I did really like... What's his face? Craig. He played Bond. Daniel Craig? Daniel Craig in the American version of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Mm-hmm. But I guess it didn't do well enough to make the sequels. Um, and I'm still really sad that Stieg Larsson died before he finished the series. Because apparently there was supposed to be like a dozen books. I know. And the the fourth one that was... Um, who, who was it who? I don't remember who, who it was that wrote one? it, but it was bad. Yeah, it was not... I mean, it just it wasn't the same. They didn't use any of his notes, because there was a whole legal battle over Stieg Larsson's notes, so it was just, you know, based off the other books. But the first three are wonderful, and the movies really do them justice. Like, Lisbeth Salander is probably one of my all-time favorite characters. Yes, she is a kick-ass heroine. She is, and it makes me even happier that she is Stieg Larsson's idea of what happened to Pippi Longstocking when she grew up. Oh, I forgot that he had once said that. Yeah. That's amazing. Her apartment is called V Gullah for Gullah Gullah Island. Yeah, th- and there are a lot of um, of references to Pippi Longstocking. In there the are. Yeah. Stardust by Neil Gaiman. I'm starting with movies. Yeah, that, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. I, I liked the movie actually better than the book in this, in so this do one I. instance. This is one of the instances where I very much prefer the movie over the book. The book mm. was very slow. Yes, no disrespect to Neil Gaiman, who is a genius, but in this respect, I I just, I thought the movie was, like you said, just a little more fast-paced. Yes, and I've enjoyed a lot of other Neil Gaiman books, American Gods, um, Neverwhere, all those, but Stardust was slow, and the movie, I don't know, maybe it's because I saw the movie first, but the movie really, really, really. Yeah, I, and I'm sorry, but I love 
love Robert De Niro in that movie. He was amazing. He really was amazing as the drag queen pirate. It was the best thing ever. I think that is my all-time favorite performance by Robert De Niro. It absolutely is. (laughs) It's just so different than his normal characters. You know, he's always, like, this tough guy. And, I mean, he was a tough guy, but then he had a softer side. He did. I loved it. Um... The Princess Bride, which I'm sure is also on your list. It's on my list, too. (laughs) You knew that was going to be on mine, because it's my favorite movie of all time. Legit, I think that's... Movie-wise, it's probably the only one we have a crossover on. Um, Well, I mean, we have already talked uh, probably at great length about The Princess Bride in previous episodes. Um, I think the movie is, is mostly true to the book. There are a couple of changes, but... Yeah, like the frame story is different. Yes, yes. Um... There's, you know, obviously more detail in the book and just little things like it's um, uh, sharks instead of shrieking eels. Yeah. So I don't know at what point the decision was made that eels were more terrifying than sharks. But uh, anyway, yeah, the the book and the movie are both fantastic. And if you've been living under a rock and have not seen or read, you need to go out and do it. I think the only major difference is that the book presents itself as a real historical document. Which I love. I love that about the book. I was not expecting that at all going in, and it was great. Yes, the way that the book is written is, um, I mean, it's written by William Goldman, but it's presented as uh, The Princess Bride by S. Morgenstern, as edited by William Goldman, and uh, the way he writes it, you know, he'll interject with parentheses to be like, and here I cut out 40 pages where he talks about how they're packing up, you know, the royal wardrobe to take over here, and what this says about, you know, the society and the, the different social structures. And-, and he talks about going to, like, the 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 museum for it, and going to the, what is it, what was it, the Cliffs of... The, cl- the Cliffs of Insanity. The Cliffs of Insanity. Yes, and I love when he's talking about, like, oh, and the great Florinese writer, Stephen King. <laughs> he's <laughs> making up this whole fictional country. and That's oh, pretty great. That's it. pretty great. It is pretty great. Um, do you want to talk about your movies, and then we'll move on to TV? Okay. Um, all right. Um, we're talking about good ones. Yes. Um, I Capture the Castle mm. is definitely pretty high on my list. I absolutely love that book. It's by Dodie Smith, who, fun fact, also wrote 101 Dalmatians. Um, I think this is the only book that she wrote for adults, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Um, but anyway, it's a, it's a really great story. It's about um, these... It takes place in the 30s, and this family who lives in this old dilapidated castle. And it has sort of a, you know, rags to riches, very much like a... Um, a Jane Austen kind of feel to it where the uh, sisters are sort of living in poverty and then a handsome gentleman comes into the neighborhood and how it kind of turns everyone's lives upside down. It definitely just reminds me of the beginning of uh, Pride and Prejudice. You know, Netherfield Park has been led at last. (laughs) Um, But it's it's a really great story. Um, I sort of feel like this is something that Jane Austen would have written if she had been alive in the modern age. Uh, and the movie adaptation I thought was really, really good. And I did not notice until, like, I had watched it probably five or six times that the guy who plays Simon was the little boy from E.T. Oh, nice. Yeah. I specifically did not put I Capture the Castle on my list because I knew it would be on yours. Well, it didn't stop you from putting Princess Bride on there, but anyway. Um, the Danish Girl by David Biershoff. Um Did you read 
I have not read it or seen the movie. Oh my gosh. It's on my list. So good. Both were so, so good. I'm really mad at myself. I had the opportunity to meet the author. Uh, He was doing a signing at my local bookstore when I was living on Long Island. And I I forget what happened, but I just, I wasn't able to go. And I was kicking myself. Um, Yeah, it's a really, really amazing story. Um, So it's about... uh, focuses on this couple and the uh, husband um, kind of reveals that he has always felt like he is a woman trapped in a man's body and I think this one takes place in the 20s or 30s as well I don't remember Um, but anyway so it's um, sort of about his journey her journey excuse me to become um, the person that she feels like she's supposed to be and uh, at the time that this was taking place you know there weren't really the types of sexual reassignment surgery that we have today so it was a much more dangerous process and um it it was just really fascinating and and also a really really heartbreaking but also heartwarming book I mean just the way that that the wife really stood by her and and supported her and it was really it was a wonderful story and the movie was fantastic too I've already talked before about how much I love Eddie Redmayne and he did an amazing job and I think that was it that I had for movies. Shall we move on to TV? Sure. Um, so I think we're going to have some overlap in TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to start with Call the Midwife. See, I, I also forgot that that was a book because I never... Yeah, it's it. a series of books. I've only read the first one, though. Okay. Um, so Call the Midwife is probably one of my all-time favorite television shows. I did read the first book, which is by the same name. Um, and I believe it's by Jennifer Worth. That sounds right. That sounds right to me. Cool. Um, and I mean, the, the memoir is very much wrote in kind of wrote, written in episodes of different experiences she had when working at Nanata's house as a midwife. Um, and the show definitely is pretty spot on to that. Um, and it's, it's carried on beyond that first book, obviously, so I don't know how it compares to the rest of the memoir, but it's a phenomenal show. Yeah, the cast is excellent. The cast is so good, and even as it changes, it just continues to be so good. Plus, I love the clothes. I love the clothes, too. It (laughs) takes place in... um, The 50s, right? Yeah, in the 50s and the beginning of the 60s, uh, post-World War II England, when the National... South, South London, London. Uh, when the National Health Service is uh, initially is its first set up, and you know um, health services and midwifery are widely available to everybody. Nice, and it's just it's amazing to see like the struggles and the triumphs and well, and because they're all you know true stories that this midwife wrote down. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, the first season was. I don't know about the rest of them. I'm sure there's some dramatization. Oh, I'm sure, but um, but it's really a lovely, lovely series. My next one is... Actually, I don't have any TV ones that I don't like. That's interesting. Uh, So the next one is probably one Amber also has, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell. Yep, that's on there. Yep. Um, The show is spot on to the book and so superbly cast, I could not have picked better cast myself. I think this is honestly probably one of the best film adaptations to a book I've ever seen. It It was really phenomenal. And I always get a little nervous when I hear that i mean excited but also nervous when i hear that a book that i really really love is going to be turned into a movie or tv show same um but they did not disappoint they exceeded all of my expectations they really did they did such a phenomenal job now Susanna clark just needs to write the next book 
<laughs> I'm sure that she's sitting at home listening right now. It's been like 15 years. <laughs> like, I'm I'm aging. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, and we've talked about the book before. Have we ever actually sat down and talked about what it was about, in case there are people out there who are interested in reading the book? I don't know. Well, let's do it now. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so it is... Um, it takes place um, in the time of the Napoleonic Wars and focuses on these two magicians, uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell. And uh, at the time when uh, the story opens, uh, magic has not been practiced in England for a very, very long time. This is, of course, a, in a world where magic once existed in England. Uh, and this uh, character, uh, Mr. Norell, um, considers himself to be a... Uh, a magician who sort of is above, you know, the nonsense that he felt like magicians in the past practiced. Yeah, all that the was Raven King stuff. Pra- 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 Did I say that word right? Practiced. Yeah. That sounded weird when I said it. <laughs> anyway, we'll edit that out. Um, he sort of considers himself to be above the magic that was practiced in the past. Um, he, you know, a lot of the... Uh, prior magicians used like fairy servants and things like that and he's very much um, against that sort of thing but then does end up um, using the services of a fairy and just kind of turns everything all topsy-turvy you know the whole story really centers around this big mistake that he makes Uh, and then along comes this much younger magician who is much more experimental much more cavalier about magic yes yes absolutely and um, there's, uh, to a large extent, about their relationship and how it evolves. And, uh, yeah, it's just a really, really phenomenal book. And the show was amazing, too. Yeah, the show is so spot on. So well cast. Yeah, the man with the thistle-down hair. Was so perfect. So just creepy and just wonderful. Um, so the next show I wanted to talk about is Game of Thrones. Oh my god, how was that not on my list? I don't know, Amber. What is wrong with me? I, I don't know. Anyway, um, I do kind of wish the show hadn't sort of passed the books. And I really wish Martin would write the next one, but so does like a floppity jillion other people. I'm okay that it surpassed it because I just needed to know what happens with this freaking story. I'm not going to wait around forever, George R.R. R. Martin. Well, here's the thing. Martin's now saying he's going to see people's reactions to the fucking show. Ooh, sorry. He's, Martin's now saying he's going to see people's reactions to the show and perhaps change things in the book, which is dumb. You know, I'm I'm honestly okay with that because I feel like they're, they are sort of their own different things. And maybe because the show has gone beyond the book first, I don't think that would bother me as much as if the show diverged from the book. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I'll be okay with that. Yeah, I mean, the show and the book are very different uh, on a lot of aspects. Season one of the show was almost spot on to the book, and then after that, I feel like it sort of started going off in its own direction. Tyrion's not disfigured enough. He shouldn't have a nose. Well, I guess they didn't want to have to CGI his nose off every time they did a shot? I don't know. That's true. <laughs> um... But I I really enjoy both of them as separate entities. Um, I think the books do a the books the show does a good job of capturing the uh, the feel of the books, even though they've diverged. 
Um, and we've gotten details that we haven't gotten in the books, so that's totally chill. Um, an amazing, amazing cast. Amazing cast. I mean, Peter Dinklage, enough said. Dinklage. Enough said. Um, everyone else is, is phenomenal, too, but... Peter Dinklage but is I my favorite. But I heard Peter Dinklage. <laughs> <clears throat> um, and then the last show I want to talk about is Outlander. Oh my, how was that not on my list either? I don't know. I What's was positive me? that was going to be on your list too. I, I spent like the whole last episode talking about how much I love James Frazier and that was not on my list. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know. Um, anywho, uh, wonderful, wonderful books. I'm only on the fifth one right now. Oh, you've definitely surpassed me. I think I only read the first three. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, um, wonderful, wonderful books. Everyone is enormous, like Game of Thrones. Um, I love the, just that slight hint of fantasy throughout all of them with the time travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel that the show is very well cast, though I did imagine Jamie Toller. It's okay. He's very broad-shouldered. I'm all right with that. He is. Um. <laughs> and he has a nice butt. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> he has a nice lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> and I, the show, the costumes. I will watch the show just for oh, the costuming. And, and here's how knitting is going to tie in, because the knitting community was in an uproar when season one of the show came out, and all the knitwear that is present in that show... All people were, were recreating all of the patterns. It you was, made some of those patterns. I did. I was in an Outlander yarn club, and I got patterns, and I made the the kind of pinkish lavender, um, I don't even know what to call it, capelet that she wears in the boar hunting episode. I don't know where I'm going to wear that thing, but I have one. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you know if uh, boar hunting is ever an option, you're ready. I would never go boar hunting, Lauren. I'm not going to hurt the pigs. But you enjoy bacon. Yes, I'll eat the pigs. I'm not going to kill the pigs. Moving on. <laughs> um, what TV shows do you want to talk about, Amber? Uh, okay, let's see. You have already talked about uh, most of the ones on my list. Um, one that I'm surprised was not on your list was The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yeah. I wanted to wait and talk about that together, so... Okay. I don't know why I waited. Well, let's talk about it now. Um, so Lauren and I are currently in the midst of watching Handmaid's Tale. Um, it's the Hulu series that came out. We we're both big fans of the book. And it is fantastic. We're I, four episodes in? Yeah, I think four. And I, I cannot talk enough about how amazing the show is. They are doing such an incredible, incredible job. They are. And it is also, again, very well cast. And oh, yes. It's, um, is that Elizabeth Moss? Is that her Elizabeth name? Elizabeth Moss is off-red. Uh, um, she was, um, in Mad Men, if you're familiar with, with the show. She, she's wonderful. I mean, she, she really, really captures the character. Yeah, and it's, it's very, so far, is very on par with the, uh, with the books. There is yes. some added drama, obviously, because that's the way of television, but... But I feel like it's everything I love about the book and more. Yes. Like, I feel like you get more detailed more stuff and there has have been rumors that there's going to be a season two so i don't know if that's going to be like that the the, this season will not finish the book or if there's going to be like here's what happens beyond the book and there's also been a rumor that uh, margaret atwood might be writing a sequel Yes, um, she added a Q&A to the historical notes in the special edition audio version of The Handmaid's Tale, which you can get on audible.com. No, they're not a sponsor, but I really love that site. <laughs> um, 
You okay? Phlegm. Phlegm. Um, and I went and read the Q&A, because you can go and read it online, uh-huh. and it very much hints to a sequel. Nice. I really hope that happens. I really do, too. Uh, I love Atwood. I uh, will read anything she writes. I know. I After just the, the phenomena of Handmaid's Tale, I now need to go and read some of her other things. Yeah. Uh, best part of the show so far was that one scene, and I know you know what I'm talking about, Nolite te bastardes carbur and durum, bitches. Yep. I love, love, love it. Um, and I actually looked up why it's a joke in Latin. Oh, yeah, why? Uh, bastardes and carborundorum are literally not Latin words that are written to look like Latin to confuse people. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That is funny. Um, the root of carborundorum, uh, basically is just, like, to, to degrade. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just, like, don't let the bastards grind you down. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so those are, are some of the things that we do like. Uh, should we now talk about the bad and the ugly? Yeah. Yes, we should. I'm going to start with how there has almost never been a good adaptation of a Stephen King novel. <laughs> uh, I think the only two that are actually good are The Green Mile and The Shining. And The Green Mile is technically a miniseries. And The Shining is very far from the seri- from the source material. And I'm probably going to a- alienate every person uh, out there and say that I hated The Shining. I did not enjoy it. Get out. I, I just, I don't like surrealist film. I'm not a fan. The Shining wasn't surrealist. Well, whatever though. it was. It's I horror. Could, I couldn't understand what the hell was going on throughout the it's whole a thing. haunted hotel. What it's was to just, understand? It's, it's, the plot didn't make any sense. He was going crazy. He was an alcoholic. It was It was just, I didn't like it. I'm sorry, Stephen King, but I just, just was not a fan. Oh, The Shining's one of the best horror movies ever. I hated it. I hated it. I sat there for like 45 minutes and was like, I want the last two hours of my life back. Oh, that's, that's I unfortunate. I hate Stanley Kubrick for making that film. That should never have happened. <sighs> and the remake was so bad. I didn't even know there was a they remake. They remade it, and it was so bad. Although, it was closer to the book, but it was so bad. I will say, as much as I did not enjoy that movie... Uh, kudos to Jack Nicholson because he's the scariest man alive. <laughs> no horror villain has ever been as terrifying as he was in that movie. Here's that is Johnny. the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> oh, I love you, Amber. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Moving on. Um, so yeah, there's never been a good adaptation of a Stephen King novel, really. And even Stephen King doesn't like The Shining. Well, uh, see, there you go. I'm in really, good company. He really dislikes what Kubrick did with the source material, um, though I think he's grown fonder of it over time. I am really looking forward to the new Dark Tower movie um, and the remake of It, because I feel like the It movie is probably the worst of the Stephen King adaptations, <laughs> though I love to watch it and laugh. Um, now, I've never understood this about It. Is he, like, a John Wayne Gacy kind of clown, or is he, like, a demon clown? He's a demon. Like, okay. Kind he's of. Demon. Like, okay. it all relates back to the Dark Tower, which doesn't help anybody. Like, all of Stephen King's books make sense when you read the Dark Tower series, because they're all related to the Dark Tower series. Um, so there's an element of fantasy in all of them, where um, the clown is this weird spider monster that is along one of the beams that leads to the tower, and every 50 years it comes out and feeds 
Okay, well, I can now never see the Dark Tower because I'm afraid of spiders. Uh, I don't, well, I mean, there's only one spider. And I don't know if he'll be in the Dark Tower. I well, did. you can watch this it and is, tell me. Uh, the Dark Tower is, uh, the movie is actually going to be a sequel to the Dark Tower books rather than, um, it's a continuation rather than a base off of. Because uh. uh, the way they end, uh, uh, spoiler warning, is with the first line of the first book. Everything's cyclical. And basically, uh, the gunslinger is in his own version of hell where he has to keep repeating it until he gets it right. And each time he gets a little more information, he comes back with a little more supplies maybe or, or like some key item um and this movie i think is gonna pick up where that left off interesting i really love those books i love stephen king if you guys can't tell <laughs> um but that's the hard part is that's why it's so hard i feel to make a good stephen king adaptation because you really have to there's, all of it is so interconnected that it's really hard to explain the crazy that happens without knowing that. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's only like a handful of his books that aren't related to the Dark Tower series, and it's crazy. But moving on. Um, the next thing I hate is the Ella Enchanted adaptation. Also on my list. Yeah. And we have talked about that before. The book was so fantastic. Uh, yes. So freaking good. And it the movie was. was just nothing like it. It wasn't. I mean, except for the fact that she has this curse where she has to do everything everybody says. That was the there's, word there's ended. There's nothing, nothing even remotely similar. Nope. Nope. Nothing. Nothing at all. This was a bastardization of the novel. It just took the names and the curse and did whatever it wanted. And I hate it. I hate it so much. I agree. I agree. See, that's the thing that I don't understand. That That's one thing that I don't get. Like, obviously, if you are making a film adaptation of a movie, it is because the book has been successful. Yes. Okay? So then why wouldn't you make the movie as close to the book as possible? I mean, I understand sometimes, like, you have to cut things because you don't have enough time, or, you know, maybe merging characters into one, you know, th things like that. But just completely writing a whole different story? What is the point of that? Why do that? And, and as we see, I don't think it was a very successful movie. I don't think it did very well. Um, so if any movie, no, movie producers out there are listening, heed our advice. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, and there's one more movie I want to talk about, and I just forgot the name of it. Oh, The Lovely Bones. Oh, yeah. I love, love, love that book. That book made me sob uncontrollably. And the movie was visually very beautiful, but it lost all of the meaning and emotion of the book. Yes, I definitely did not feel the same way seeing the movie. The, I was very, very moved by the book. It's like it lost the painting for the brushstrokes. Yeah. Um, yeah, the book was so much better than the movie. Um, yeah, that's a, if anyone has not read that one, um, definitely read it. Um, and I actually, I read, what was the name of it? The, um, the book that she wrote that was about her own experience. Oh, I didn't read that one. I only read The Lovely Bones. Um, that was good. Very upsetting. Like, just a as a woman, very, very upsetting. Trigger warning. Uh, yes. But, um, but very good. And also very powerful. Um, so how about you, Amber? What's your, your bad and ugly? Okay. Well, I already talked about, uh, Ella Enchanted. Uh, or you already talked about Ella Enchanted. Excuse me. We. Oui. Um, The Magicians. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, I loved that book series by Lev Grossman. Um, it's a trilogy, and they were excellent, excellent books. Um, they've sort of been compared as, like, Harry Potter for... If, like, Harry Potter went off to college. It's like if Harry Potter, Narnia, and um, the Catcher in the Rye had a love child. <laughs> That's the best description ever. And also, how were the three of them making a love child? What's going on there? They just Science. Sort of, like, mixing Science, everything man. in a cup? Or... Science, man. <laughs> anyway. Hey, you can make babies with two female parents now. Science, man. Can you? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I haven't been following the news. What is going on with this cord? Where is it coming from? I don't understand. Um, I'm all tangled up in my headphones cord here, people. Um, I lost my train of thought. You're talking about the magicians. She blinded me with science. Um, uh, yes. Um, Lauren, that is a very apt description. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, but the... Show I couldn't even watch the whole thing. Uh, I think I probably stopped like three or four episodes in. It was just so different. It was again another example of why take something that people liked so much and change it so much. Yeah. I mean, and I was really excited going into it because I had heard we were going to learn more about. Oh my god, what's the, char- what's the character's name? Um, uh, the girl who doesn't get in to break bills what's her name i can't think of her name janet janet or was janet the uh alice was the girlfriend janet was was janet the the other student the other chick they changed her name in the show to margo because they thought there were too many j's uh julia julia thank you julia worker um, so anyway, so I was excited because I had heard we were going to get to see more of Julia's journey, uh, and how she, um, spoiler alert, uh, there's one character who sort of does not get into the, the magical school, and then she sort of pursues an underground education in magic, uh, and it's yeah, just... Yeah, they, they erase your memory of taking the test, but it didn't quite stick with Julia. Yes, and so um, her her story is sort of hinted at in the book. Um, you don't really get good details for it until, was it like the end of book two? Yeah, like the second half of book two is yeah. all Julia. Um, so I was really excited to get to see more of that, but I just, I just didn't. I wanted more Julia. I just didn't like it. It was just, it wasn't good. And and I thought it even, like, the casting was, was okay. Like, I, you know, I, yeah, I, thought the casting I had high was hopes, good. but it just, is that yeah. a spider on the wall? Is that a spider on the wall? Is that a spider on the wall? No. What is it? It's a fly. Okay. False alarm. Yeah, maybe someday we'll uh, post the video of how I tried to kill a spider with a lightsaber. <laughs> we do have a little video. <laughs> Yeah, so that's definitely on my list. But I think my, um, oh wait, I had two more. Maybe you should talk about this because you know more about it than I do. So I'm a huge Anne Rice fan. Um, I'm actually in the middle, uh, still, I finished Prince Lestat. I need to read the next one, Prince Lestat and the City of Atlantis, which is going to be ridiculous and I love it. Um, But uh, Queen of the Damned is probably the absolute worst adaptation of a book to a movie that has ever been produced. I have a lot of feelings about this. Oh, I don't know. Wait until you hear my number one worst movie. Oh that was my a book. god. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's so bad. It's so badly cast. Um, Lestat is just a whiny white boy. And, um, like, Interview with a Vampire, very different from the books, but still a good movie. And Tom Cruise is a weird pick for Lestat, but he did a good job because Tom Cruise is crazy. Um, but Queen of the Damned, I just don't know what they were doing. I think it didn't help that Aaliyah passed away in the middle of filming and they CGI'd her throughout the rest of it. So she was supposed to have a much bigger part and they couldn't really do that because she passed away, unfortunately. Um, but the book is very philosophical, touches a lot on religion. I mean, the, the second book in the series is The Vampire Lestat, not Queen of the Damned. I don't know why they skipped around and missed whole parts of the story, and it makes me really sad. Um, but I love Anne Rice, and her books are amazing. You should go read them. Uh, but don't watch that movie. <laughs> don't watch it. I own it. I don't know why. My mom thought that was the one I liked, and she bought it for me, so I own it. <laughs> I say we have a bonfire in the backyard and dance on its ashes. Yeah, but that would release chemicals into the air. Okay, well, metaphorically, let's have a bonfire and dance on its ashes. Cool. Okay. So that was my feelings about Queen of the Damned. So my number one worst book turned movie, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Did you read the Pride and Prejudice and Zombies book? Okay. I did. I did. I really enjoyed the book. I did too. You know, it was it was clever and sort of campy and, and it was yeah, fun. It was a it lot, was of, a lot fun. of fun. And I was not expecting this to be like a great motion picture. I mean, I expected it to be, you know, kind of a little bit cheesy, but it was just so bad. And I remember when I went to see it, uh, there were only two people <laughs> in the theater, including myself. Um, I mean, part of that might have had to do with the fact that there was no heat in the theater uh, in, the, in the middle of winter. But still, um, within like the first minute and a half, I just burst out laughing at how awful it was. I just, it was the scene, spoiler alert, where uh, the, the character of Elizabeth Bennet is, uh, you know, sees one of the zombies and she starts talking to her. And I don't remember exactly what she said, but something along the lines of like, oh, don't be afraid or like, you know, how are you or good day or something like that. And then her head just gets blown off and it was just so poorly done and just so... I, like, oh meant, meant to be shocking, but clearly was not. It was just, it was bad. It was so bad. Um, and, I, I've and avoided I, the, the movie. I haven't seen it yet. Don't. It just, it's not worth it. Um, and what was it that Jul Julie's, uh, the thing that she said, like, that that is the only movie that could take... Such a cool concept. No, it, it was, she was referring to the uh, almost sex scene between... Uh, Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy. Oh. What did she say? It was something about, I don't like, remember. All right, well, we'll have to cut this. It was something about how she said, like, only that movie could make that, like, a lukewarm... Oh, only, yeah. O only that movie could make a, a sex scene with Mr. Darcy feel lukewarm. Like... <laughs> yeah, it just... It didn't have it. It didn't have it. Yeah, so that was my number one worst. Um, I don't know, Lauren, if you had written down, but I wrote down a couple of books that I would really, really like to see made into movies or miniseries. Oh, cool. I can totally think of some. Um, so my number one is the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Very cool. Um, and there was actually talk for a while of it being made into a movie, and uh, at first they had been pursuing Kate Winslet, for the lead role, which I think she would have been 
perfect. I think I could not picture a better person playing that part. Like she is just perfect. Um, and then I, I don't know what happened, but then they were saying that they were going to be filming it with Anne Hathaway. And, you know, I think Anne Hathaway is, is very talented, but I just don't see her in that role. She's not the right age for one thing. She's too young. Um, and she just, I don't know. She just doesn't have the right look. Like that's just not how the character is described in any way. Um, and especially after Ellen Chanchin, I'm a little bit worried about Anne Hathaway going anywhere near any book that I want to see turned into a movie. I don't know. I loved her in Les Mis. Um, yeah, she did a good job with that. Um, but anyway, yeah, I would really, really love to see that one made into a movie. Um, Ahab's Wife is another one. I, I'm not sure how to pronounce the author's first name. Is it Senna? Senna? Okay, Senna by Senna Jeter Nasland. Um, anyway, she... I, I I don't even know what it took to write this book, but it was such a phenomenal story. Um, it's it sort of um, picks up on that you know Ahab uh, in Moby Dick you know mentions very very briefly that he just married this woman and then you know goes off on this voyage, and she took that one line and made it into a whole story. You know, this focuses on uh, her life before she meets Ahab, uh, their courtship, her life after, spoiler alert, he's killed by the whale. Uh, And um, yeah, it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal story. And it's so visually, like the way she writes is just, I can see it as a movie. You know what I mean? What about you, Lauren? Any ones that you're dying to see on film? Um, so I think I'd really like to see the All Souls trilogy by Deborah Harkness. Oh, yeah. That would be a good one. It would. I don't know if it would work better as a movie or a TV series, because there is a lot, a lot, a lot <laughs> Probably in have it. to be several movies. Yeah. And, I mean, the Bodleian is a filming location, so and the, a lot of it takes place in the Bodleian, which was one of the awesome things I saw when I was in England, which made me think of it. <laughs> um... So yeah, I would really love, uh, I just think that those series of books is everything Twilight wanted to be and isn't. Oh, so much better. So, so much, much better. better. If you're into vampires. Vampires just, and witches and demons yes. and, and love, read, check them out. Read Deborah Harkness. It's so much better. Yeah. And the whole series is out, so you don't have to wait. Yes. You can go buy them all now. Uh, I think I'd also like to see, just kind of looking at my shelf and thinking what I'd like to see made into a movie. Uh. I think I'd like to see Gail Carriger's stuff made into a TV show. Oh, is she the one who wrote the... Parasol Protectorate. Yeah. Uh, I love Gail Carriger. I have read all of her books, even some of the erotica that she just started writing. Um, And she's just lovely steampunk romance fantasy stories where the women kick ass. And I think that would make a... You know what? I I feel like Hulu could pick this up or Netflix and and make a kick-ass TV show out of it. Nice. Um, so anyway, uh, as always, we would love to hear your thoughts on the episode, and we would love for you to share with us some of your favorite or least favorite uh, film or TV adaptations of books, and you can write to us at pearlsandpages at gmail.com, or check out our website at pearlsandpages.wordpress.com. And we are uh, often on our Ravelry group. Feel free to join Pearls and Pages or uh, message us on Ravelry. Uh, So, as always, thanks thanks for for listening. listening. That was a long-ass episode.